and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about the Sweet Valley High of the East Coast so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read Sunset Island by Sherry Bennett. Joining us to discuss this 90s knockoff YA series is Denise Houston, former Sherry Bennett superfan and freelance editor for the Gale Zone series. Hello! Hi, Denise. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's a blast and a half going back to the 90s. (laughs) I'm wearing my crop top right now. (laughs) I'm wearing seven shirts artfully layered. (laughs) And a leotard. (laughs) Yeah, well, the leotard's the bottom shirt. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm so excited by the way that you identify as a Sherry Bennett super fan, because these are books that I read when I was a kid, but when I've been mentioning to people like, oh, and we're doing the Sunset Island series, uh, nobody knows what this is. (laughs) That is a fact. I had friends, I said, oh yeah, I'm going to be on the podcast. And they're like, well, what are you doing? And I told them, and then they're like, should I read it? I said, oh no, no. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is okay. First of all, this is a real book. My library had it, uh, there's, it's a fairly long-running series. Not as long as Sweet Valley High, but there's, like, over 20 of them. 41, and, according to Wikipedia. Oh, my gosh. Well, I didn't read all if of you those. Go by, if you go by uh, Goodreads, it's actually only, like, 33, but I think they're counting the spinoff series Sunset Nights. Oh, my God. I didn't even... Uh, uh, stop everything. <laughs> I didn't even know that existed. <laughs> as you run off to Amazon <laughs> to try and find these. BRB. Um, But anyway, what this is, if you couldn't guess from the introduction, they are very much something where some publishers look down and are like, oh, the kids are eating Sweet Valley High. We need some more kind of trashy, rich teen drama. Uh, Oh, you know what? They also like the Babysitter's Club. What if they're like rich babysitters on an island? Nailed it. And that's that's what this is. It is a story um, mainly focused on three girls Carrie, Emma, and Sam, which I just realized is half of Sex in the City, <laughs> but then plus Emma and minus the other two. We're clearly onto something, though. Anyway, so it's these three... <laughs> these three Conspiracy theories. Yes. <laughs> these three uh, teens who at the start of the series are about to start college, and they get these summer jobs as au pairs on Sunset Island. And so it's about, you get the kind of babysitter's club drama of, like, things that happen with the kids they're watching, and their own personal drama, and their dating drama, and their family issues, and then also just, like, going to the, um, oh, God, what's the club called? I was going to say the Peach Pit. It's not. The Play Cafe. The Play Cafe. (laughs) I literally knee-jerk was about to say the Chug and Squeeze. So (laughs) I need to take a break from the Adventure Zone. They're doing some chugging and squeezing at the play cafe. That's disgusting. I'm sorry I said that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This, you know what? We have not been recording for five minutes, and I already just need to apologize for everything. <laughs> well, how could you forget one of four locations in this book? Because it's the play cafe, the cheap boutique, the beach, and people's houses. And those are the only locations on an island. Um, and also rubies, but only the townies go there. <laughs> and well, the, I and that bar the they went to I guess that was part of the beach so this yeah I read these books when I was too young to have read them and I just clearly remember there was a spinner rack of them at our small public library and 
And I remember clearly they were from, like, my hometown library. So this puts it as squarely before fifth grade because that's when I switched schools and started going to the better public library that was near my other school. So, you know, yeah, I was, like, eight or nine, very attracted to these dumb, colorful covers, which <laughs> we we were talking earlier about how the cover model that they have chosen for Emma... Again, these girls are about to start college. As the series goes on, they do start college. This girl's, like, 12. She's just like Marianne from Babysitter's Club. Uh, there's, like, a hot dog and three seashells photoshopped over her. <laughs> and then two shirtless guys who do look college-aged. And it's upsetting. Yeah, I had the book. I had it yesterday because I read it all yesterday. <laughs> and I stopped at the comic shop. And I can't even remember, like, at what point I was like, oh, yeah, like, I gotta read this. And I pulled it out to show my friend. And he was like, why are those, like, 25-year-old men looking at that 12-year-old girl like that? <laughs> well, um, and I looked closer and I was like, you're right, that is troubling. I think I, I'll report back. Ooh. So, point of interest, do you want to talk about how she looks like Marianne on the cover? If you flip it over to the back, I think uh, Carrie looks way more like Marianne. Yeah, I, I'm responding mainly just to, like, her her denim jumper. <laughs> is well, like, her face, you know, is... I mean, she's blonde, so obviously she's not Marianne. Yeah, but, but her, like, little outfit with her necklace and her shirts layered on top of each other. <laughs> her fashions, Yeah. Well, fun fact, one of the cover models for this, the one who's Sam, was actually Samantha Mathis for a couple of these from, uh, I think she was in a movie with Christian Slater called Pump Up the Jam. So I don't I don't know what they paid her for that, but I'm sure it wasn't enough. <laughs> I mean, oh my favorite cover model story in the world is that Matt Bomer is one of the cover models on the original, um, Jesus, which one was it? The Rainbow oh, the Boys? The Rainbow Boys, yeah. Yes. Hopefully. Oh, tiny map Omer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I don't actually remember where we were. Um, we yeah. were talking about when we were reading these. Oh yeah, so the, these colorful children covers appealed to me as a young young child, although although I was too young of a child. I but I, I think I, I didn't understand a lot of it. Like in retrospect, I'm reading, and I'm like, oh my god! But as a kid, I was just like, oh fun, they like go shopping, they're at the beach. Um. Even from, like, page one, these three girls, they're at, the, like, the International Au Pair Conference, which I don't... We were talking... I don't think that's real. And, of course, this was the 90s, so they couldn't just, like, put out a Craigslist ad, but they probably yeah. weren't doing this. The structure of it doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah, things we'll get into when we start doing the plot, but, yeah, the structure of the whole thing just falls apart. Yeah, it... I'm baffled by the concept of a Craigslist ad for that in the first place, because that would be 100% for murder. There's no <laughs> other thing that you'd be like, hi, 18 year olds, come to this secret island and watch my, uh, children. Well, um, so like I was saying this, I read it, I was like, whatever, um, too young. And then when I was a little bit older, my older cousin went to the Netherlands to be an au pair for a family there. And I was like, oh my God, like from Sunset Island, that's like a real thing. <laughs> Um, but I, I believe she went through an agency that arranged that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had never heard of these at all, which, you know, is only fair considering I definitely did my books that no one had ever heard of earlier this summer. Um, it was completely, 
And I thought maybe because I read so much garbage when I was a kid that I thought maybe when I started it, especially after seeing there were like 40, I would remember having like picked one up at a book fair or read one at the library. And I had not. But what I had read was another book by this author (laughs) for a book club when I was in middle school that was not great. And it has stuck. Oh, it wasn't great? (laughs) Uh, in a very different way um and you'll have your first clue when i tell you the title was life in the fat lane Ah! (laughs) and it was about a teenage a perfect like skinny homecoming queen teenage girl who contracts a rare illness that messes up her metabolism and makes her gain like a ton of weight and like she loses all of her friends and like her only friend who will stay with her is her friend who was already fat and, like, learns a life lesson about, like, beauty being on the inside. And it just, every single part of it was so clumsy and awkward. And, like, made me, because I was, like, 10 or 11 when I read it. Probably probably 11. Um, And it, it, like, I, I had this, like, distinct, awkward, uncomfortable feeling while reading it as being a fat person. And, I mean, looking at, pictures of sherry bennett like she's fat and apparently um a later book in the series has a fat protagonist that was like groundbreaking at the time i mean according to this shady teenreads.com interview with her that i found like i don't remember the fat girl in sunset island series i i didn't love these the way i loved babysitters you know i don't think i read all of them but they were like there and i read them um, I don't know if she was necessarily a protagonist. I remember that she's the one whose dad was a nose for a perfume company. What? And that's how, yes. And that's how the perfume came about, Sunset Magic. Um, but yes. I don't remember ever, ever uh, reading a book from her POV. She was just one of the characters. Okay. But again, this has been like 20 odd years since I read them. So don't at me, please. Yeah. Uh, two things. Yeah, I I think it maybe only was over the main three girls who switched as narrators, uh, which is Carrie, Emma, and Sam. Carrie, I do remember Carrie developed an eating disorder, which at the time, to be honest, maybe was the first time I heard about eating disorders. So probably not great. But uh, that happened. Denise, this seems like as good a time as any to ask you to say more about the perfume, because again, I (laughs) did not know about this. (laughs) All right, so... um... In book, whatever, whatever it was, uh, Sunset Magic, um, they're talking to her, um, to the fat protagonist, whose name I think is Aaron. I don't remember. Um, and her dad is Aaron Kane. Lovely. She sounds like Superman's next best friend or something. (laughs) Um, but she, uh, her dad's a nose for a perfume company, which of course I had never heard of. And I'm sure a lot of people still haven't. It's someone who um, develops different scents for things. And I think Emma like throws a bunch of money at it because she wants a smell that reminds her of the island when she's not there. Um, so they come up with one and they talk about like testing it and like putting it on and then like waiting for a little bit and then smelling it again to see the dry notes or whatever. It was oddly in-depth about the process of making perfume, which I assume is because uh, Sherry Bennett then made this perfume. Um, and that book came with a sample of it in yes. the in an insert, so you could have smelled it and whatever, and I completely bought it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, had, I had a bottle for years, um, and I went back home uh, 
after I was told I could talk about this to other people. Um, <laughs> and I was looking for it so hard and I could not find it. I think we threw it out eventually, along with all of the zines. She had zines that she put out. <laughs> of all of her products and she would answer questions she had like an advice column and things and you could write to her and i had a um bumper sticker in my house that was that's still on the ceiling of my childhood home sorry mom um (laughs) that says sherry bennett if she keeps writing i'll keep reading which is kind of damning with faint praise that doesn't really sound like a a very good marketing campaign but i I don't remember buying it, so she gave it to me. So there you go. You know what? She knew what she was about, Sherry Bennett. <laughs> Sherry Bennett, I learned from Wikipedia, also um, mostly writes for soap operas. Like it, like the young and the restless, like literal TV soap operas. And then, and that also made something really click for me when I learned that fact. Like, yeah, that is what this is. Well, she also wrote for Smallville, which is, of course, superhero soap opera, and she did a couple tie-in novels for that as well, so. Uh, You know, I never watched Smallville, and I feel like I would have liked it, but it just wasn't the right time for me. And now now I'm in too deep with CW superhero shows, and I don't have time to go back into Smallville town. Well, if you really liked uh, people hanging out at the Peach Pit, you're probably going to be all about Smallville because that's pretty much how that works. We watched it in college, and I know that I was always super grumpy because Smallville is supposed to be this tiny town and, you know, whatever. And it's like 20,000 people. I'm like, that's not small. Mm. <laughs> that's medium town. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Similar to you, I got into this series way too young. Um, I was about eight, and I was at a friend's uh, house for a sleepover, and she had the third book, which is why mostly I... I think that's why I actually continued reading them, because the protagonist was a red-haired girl named Sam, and I'm like, tiny redhead, yes, representation. <laughs> um, that was always... I was always that was always going to be my favorite person in a thing. If you had X amount of characters and one of them was a redhead, I was like, yes, that one. Um, so you were, a, so you were a Mallory then. <laughs> I don't know if I was ever not a Mallory. The only thing that was a bummer about Mallory was that she had way too many brothers and sisters. And I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> so many. So many. Yeah. But I was uh, going to say that up to that point, my reading was kind of mixed it, at that time I was also reading like the Ramona books which by the way thanks I had to go buy them all now yes. <laughs> I was reading those and I was reading the babysitters club books and I hadn't yet gotten to sweet valley high I don't think um but I was reading like other little romance novels like first love from silhouette but they were all fairly kind of chaste whereas the third book they like talk about sex and they talk about like joining the mile high club, which I didn't know what that was and what the sexual bases were. So, you know, it was one of those kind of like adult awakenings, like, Oh, that's what happens after they finish kissing. Oh, yes. after they finish their major kissing. <laughs> uh, it, it occurs to me that we, I jumped right into a, like defending the fact that these books do exist and are real. And then, sort of skipped over introducing maybe the main characters. Like, we said their names and how they're half of Sex and the City, plus Emma. Um, <laughs> this book is, is interesting, this series, rather, is interesting, because I feel like so many of these kinds of, you know, 90s series that we've been discussing, they have, like, minimum four people, I feel like, so that you can have these different personality types, and then you, as the young girl reader, can be like, oh yeah, like, I'm a Christian, you're a Marianne, but here there's only three girls, and so it does make it a little bit harder 
to have each one be so immediately identifiable. And yeah, I'll do it because Sam's like the cool, the cool, funny party girl and Carrie's the uptight overachiever who gets an eating disorder, obviously. And Emma's <laughs> the rich one. See, my breakdown was uh, that Carrie was the other because she has no personality, and Emma was the rich one, and Sam is the horny one. Those were the only attributes that I could, as an adult, come up with. Sam is very horny, you're right. <laughs> uh, Emma's other thing, too, is that like she's rich, but, and this is recurring, and I read on Wikipedia that, um, okay, so her thing is she really wants to join the Peace Corps, which, because to show that she's a good person, which makes me laugh because this is a thing that happens a lot, like in random, like TV books always. If you want to show someone's like a good person, uh, or if you want to show that they're like going through some shit, then they just sort of like abruptly will go and join the Peace Corps. Like, um, I've only seen like three episodes of How I Met Your Mother. Like, that's not a show they watch regularly. But I happen to see the one where Neil Patrick Harris, this character, just is like, you know what? I'm a good person now. I'm going to the Peace Corps. And he just like fucking does it. And it's actually like a months long process to go to the Peace Corps. And it's like a big deal. And you don't just sort of like go and do it. But that's not convenient for narrative structure. She also wants to do, and I quote, something with animals. But I don't remember her ever interacting with animals at all in this series. And I think the only animal fact she tries to bust out is, like, at a party later where she tries to explain that shrimp aren't fish. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good basis for doing something with animals. Yeah, like, Emma wants people to think that she's not just, like, a basic rich bitch, but she also kind of just is a basic rich bitch, so it's hard. <laughs> Yeah, also, all three of these girls are white. Mm-hmm. From, and even the ones who are, like, class is a big thing, obviously, because it's so important that Emma is rich, which um, we'll cycle into the plot momentarily. Um, but, like, they're not, the other two seem to be fairly middle class. I don't know if it comes out in later books that that's not necessarily the case. But... I think I think Carrie is pretty middle class. I think Sam maybe is lower middle class. Like, I remember there being a big thing. Like, her car broke down and she got kind of stuck and it was like a big thing. I don't know. But, but basically fine. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing that stuck out to me as having only read this one. Uh, but in the interest of, of moving the podcast along, we'll tell you a little bit about the plot of this book and... and kind of let you make your own decisions as a listener. Um, <laughs> you don't have we, to take our word for it. <laughs> uh, as we alluded to earlier, uh, the book starts with this au pair conference, which is supposedly this, this like multi-day thing where you take classes and lessons. And then at the end of it, uh, you get, you, d you decide where you want to go. And then parents from that, area who are looking for people to come to that area interview you and decide whether or not they want you to join them which my understanding of how au pairs work which was similar to what Renata said her cousin went through where it's more of either you do it through an agency or you do it directly for a family it's not like well I've decided that I want to go to Paris so I'm going to put that out there um, and it's more at that area, either you, you're doing it through an agency, you're doing it particularly for a family, or you like fucking go to Paris and 
try to find someone who wants to be a nanny or try try specifically to find someone who needs a nanny who's going to Paris. But is the entire international au pair convention an example of the secret or is that <laughs> <laughs> well and it it's weird because it also sounded like they were getting um like basic training on how to like work with children so it was like find find an au pair but also get trained on how to be one yeah it was it was very peculiar but at at this convention we learned that on the first day Emma, who's our protagonist for this book, met Sam, and then Sam introduced her to Carrie, and Carrie, uh, as Renata said earlier, is the smart one who's going to Yale, who prior to this has only had one boyfriend who she's been with since she was, like, 13, Mm -hmm. and uh, is a photographer, and kind of, like, more reserved and chill, and Sam is the loud, obnoxious one with a huge personality who's obsessed with boys. And has big, curly hair. And has big, yes. curly hair. And Emma is uh, rich and... And rich. wants to join the Peace Corps. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And she immediately, she wants to... One of the things that made me laugh at the beginning of the book is there's this part where she, like, tells her parents she wants to be an au pair. And they're like, oh, like, why would you want to do that? Like, you don't need a job. Like, you're rich. All the other rich people in this book are hilarious cartoon characters. And her response to that isn't like, I need a job because I need to learn personal responsibility. Or I I want a job because I want to learn how to be in the real world. Or I want a job because I want to, like, earn my own way. Which is, like, the typical response you expect from, you know, these rich kids rebelling against their families that you get in media. But hers is just that, like, she doesn't want to be around her parents. And this seems like the easiest option. Mm-hmm. Which is honest, at least. Yeah, it just are god awful. Also, doesn't feel very easy. <laughs> uh, but she quickly cottons on to the fact that Sam hates rich people, so she's trying to pretend to not be rich so that everyone will think of her as a normie and not as like Emma Cresswell from the Boston Cresswells, who are super rich and have a private jet. Um, she like fucking went to boarding school in Switzerland or France or something, and. Like, is super, super rich. And, like, in the first ten pages, they comment on her clothes and how, like, her clothes are are rich people clothes, like, a hundred times. Yeah, like something out of Town and Country, which, you know, 18-year-olds definitely read Town and Country, right? Obviously. And also Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Yes. Um, And so they have their interviews. They all, all three girls decide... That their first choice is this. And here's the other thing. She makes these comments about how, like, oh, like, she's going to go somewhere, like, fancy and exotic and remote away from her parents. And her parents fucking live in, like, Connecticut, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And her exotic Oh, no, wait, Carrie's from Connecticut. Yeah, she's from Boston. from New Jersey. But she's from Boston. You're right, she's, she's from, from Boston. From the Boston yes, 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 yes. Boston, that's right. Um, her fucking, like, exotic, faraway place from her mother is an island off the coast of Maine. Yep. I fucking have dated girls from Maine, like, while living in Boston. It is not a million miles away, far away from the influence of your parents. You know, well, we've also and- we've also taken Nora Roberts to task for this. Yes. This grasp of East Coast geography. It is. You can, like, fucking see Maine is less than an hour away from Boston. It is an <laughs> afternoon trip. It is on an island, though, so you gotta take a ferry. 
Yeah, and she, like, flies there, and I guess she's rich, so I guess maybe instead of thinking, like, I will just drive or take a train or bus, and it would only be, like, a not that long, because I think she flies to Portland. Well, one of the things I didn't understand about that is that um, she wants to get away from the rich people and wants to be normal. Everyone on Sunset Island is rich. It is, like, a vacation home. It's like going to Fire Island, where... Why would you go somewhere that's full of rich people if you're like, man, I don't want to be picked out as a rich person. Right. And Especially like, one that's right by where all your rich family lives. <laughs> yes. And also just like that, maybe this is actually makes sense because this is like the lowest work that Emma could think of. But like only rich people have au pairs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the whole thing is fucking ridiculous. This whole conceit. Like there are a million ways that are less convoluted and would make more sense for them to get this girl as an au pair into Maine, but this is the, the path that Sherry Bennett has chosen. Um, <laughs> and again, as a child, I didn't know what any of these things were. I didn't know what Maine was. Like, what am I... I'm not questioning this as a child reading it, please. <laughs> so, uh, Emma does get a job with the family she wanted to get a job with, who, like, the parents seemed very chill and down-to-earth. Uh, and so, as I said, she flies from Boston to Portland, Maine, like a normal person, uh, mm-hmm. and then takes a ferry to Sunset Island and didn't bring, like, any clothes with her because all her clothes are rich people clothes. So she bought b- borrowed a couple things from her cool aunt and brought, like, her one pair of jeans and figured she'd buy clothes on the island like a normal poor person. Totes. <laughs> Because, you know, Boston doesn't have anything like a Macy's where you could get clothes off the rack. Yeah, it is ridiculous. She, like, settles in with this family, and it's a mom and a dad and three kids. The littlest one is a little girl named Katie, who's, like, four. And then there's a middle child named Wills with an S, who's (laughs) a middle age. And then the oldest son, Ethan, is 11, which becomes important later on. And she meets up with her friends who are on the island already. And, like, everything seems like it's going to be off to a great start. And there's a this rich girl on the island whose name I've already forgotten. Laurel Cortland. Laurel, yes. Who recognizes... First she recognizes um, fucking Emma's clothes when they're in New York. And her, like, fancy watch and fancy compact... Which are engraved with her initials. Yes. Yeah, and she's like, oh, it's my aunt's initials. It's not mine. Ha ha ha. And then she, like, puts together some other pieces and figures out that, like, Emma is secretly rich and keeps trying to, like, trick her into revealing to her friends that she's secretly rich. And every time she's, like, on the cusp of admitting to them that she's secretly rich, Sam will bust out some, like, fucking rich people, they're garbage, I hope they all die. And so <laughs> That is doesn't... only, that is, like, 0.001% over the top from how Sam talks about rich people. Yes. Well, and Kurt, all of these people hate rich people, but they, again, went to a resort island. What? Mm-hmm. Where, what was your plan? Kurt lives there, so we'll give him a pass on that. I'm not going to give Kurt a pass on a ton of things, but that I'll give him a pass for. Yeah, his family, Sam, is, his family has origins there and owns the general store. And the old is, general store. <laughs> Sam especially, despite the fact that like she is hungry for money and fame, every time a rich guy flirts with her, she's like, oh, like, I'd never date a rich guy. They're garbage. I'm like, but what? Why? What is happening here, Sam? I think you're... Uh, whatever. 
Um, but so, so not long after getting set up on the island, Emma goes, she brings Katie and the boys to swim class at the pool and meets super hunk Kurt, the lifeguard, who everyone on the island has a crush on, according to her boss, Jane, and immediately has a crush on him. And he immediately, like, ignores everyone else to stare at her, including these two 13-year-old twins who Sam is responsible for, who are, like, fucking wearing string bikinis trying to get his attention. That is actually a recurring theme over the course of the thing, is that the twins are the horniest children on the planet, (laughs) and they just always are trying to hit on people they're like trying to get the high school boys and i just imagine most of their dialogue at this point as like the teen girl squad voice it's like (laughs) i have a crush on every boy (laughs) yes you're correct (laughs) and so it is fitting that there was sam who is like the horniest teen teen very very valid yes um so they like they do fucking teen shit they go to the place that's not the chug and squeeze that I've already forgotten the name of. The Play Play Cafe. Cafe. Play Cafe. And they... Which, uh, by the way, I feel like in this day and age, Play Cafe has this whole other, like, that sounds way more sexual than I feel like it probably did in, like, 1992. But maybe I only think that because I was, like, seven. It weirds me out because I was, like, reading it and I was trying to think to myself, I'm like, so wait, this place has a venue for bands and it has, like, a packed waitress, you know, hellscape of food and it has pool... What is this location? Can we can we get a diagram? Can we get a floor plan of what exactly this is? Let's write to Sherry Bennett and see if she'll provide one. <laughs> um... So they they go to the play cafe and they like get burgers and Carrie, we find out, broke up with her boyfriend that she had since she was 13 because she's going to Yale and he's going to Stanford and she just couldn't imagine doing a long distance relationship and only being with one boy her entire life because he says they should be engaged to be engaged and she's horrified by the idea like a good sane human. Good job, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Um and while they're at the play cafe one night, which I tried to call the chug and squeeze again, I think it's just a better name. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's really not. <laughs> <laughs> um, she sees a townie um, playing pool against this like smart kid who goes to MIT or something. And he beats him just barely. And he initially they had a $10 bet, but he like, convince not convinces him he makes his like makes his friends threaten to beat the guy up if he doesn't admit it was a 50 dollar bet so carrie challenges the townie to pool and like whoops his ass like runs the table and immediately wins and bets it's a hundred dollar bet so she gives forty dollars to this kid who got fleeced and says, like, hey, like, the $10 you lost fair and square, but the other 40 bucks, like, that was shitty. Here, Here's some of his money for you. And the guy immediately, like, zeroes in on Carrie and has a crush on her. And she's, Which like, not fair, in because that's him. a real baller move, Carrie. <laughs> she's not into him, but she also doesn't want to be, wants to move on from her boyfriend she just broke up from. So his neediness, like, becomes a recurring subplot of how much he, like, wants to get in her pants. Not Can we go back? That. Anyway. 
Uh, can we go back for a second to this pool bet? Because it's not just double or nothing. It's double or nothing. Plus, if uh, Butchie, the bully guy, wins, then uh, Carrie and Emma and Sam are going to go out with him and, like, get drunk and, and, and run the town with him. So it's, you know, these acquaintances of mine, I'm just going to go ahead and bet their virtue on this $50 pool game. That's cool, right? I, I think she was just so confident that she knew <laughs> she knew that it wasn't really... But yeah, Sam and Emma are a little bit like, uh, what? <laughs> but she does win. Um, and I think at that is a point where there's all these points where um, Emma discovers that her mother is engaged to this 20... Well, she already knew her mother was engaged to this like 25-year-old artist. And she discovers that he has a show opening on Sunset Island. And he would recognize her and give her game away if he were to see her. So several times throughout the book, like, she'll see him on the street and then pretend she's sick and run away. And she's abandon not her subtle. Yes, it is It is the least subtle. Yeah. So I think this is one of, one of those instances. If she sees someone, she sees him or something like that, and she has to leave. And she's just, like, constantly concerned that, like, he will blow her cover and everyone will know that she's not actually poor. Because she has no ability to, like, uh, improvise, I guess. She can't just be like, oh, yeah, because she talks earlier in it. She's like, oh, I've been to all of the art galleries ever in the in the history of the world. I'm like, you couldn't just be like, oh, yeah, I've heard of this guy. He's kind of a jerk. I guess that's too easy. I read about it in People magazine. (laughs) Yeah. She and Kirk go on a date. Uh, that happens too. And it like goes real good. And they make out a lot. And he takes her to the towny side of the island and introduces her to his like surrogate mother who owns a restaurant and feeds them fish. Yeah. Because he's, he's, <laughs> got, a, he's got a tragic backstory. Yes. Uh, he's got, and this becomes important, he's got two sisters and his mother's dead. And he is working two jobs to keep himself in college so that he can become a sports therapist. Yep. Yeah. Um, God, what the fuck else happens? Oh, her, she, as she starts dating Kurt, the little 11-year-old boy, Ethan, who she is a babysitter for, starts to act real weird and starts giving her, like, very expensive, fancy presents. Yes. Because he has a crush on her. And yes. they're all much more than he can afford because she knows his allowance is only $5 a week. And, so and she, and by the way, she handles this so badly, but I guess that's what happens when your only experience working with children is like three, uh, three days at this conference in New York. Like to me, I'm reading, I'm like, uh, tell his fucking parents. And she's like, well, I, I don't want to tell his parents. Uh, so I'll just ask him about it. And he says like, uh, no, I bought it. It's fine. She's like, no, that's shady. And she just like does nothing about it for the longest time. And then finally she talks to him again and like, gets him to admit that what he's been doing is trading video games with his neighbor and then his neighbor friend steals stuff from his mom and gives that stuff to Ethan to give to Emma, which is actually a pretty good scam, to be honest. Yeah, it's not, it's not bad. Well, and no Uh, one seems to call any of these kids out on trying to, like, date 18-year-olds. Like, the 13-year-olds never get smacked down for that. They're just like, oh, that's my competition. (laughs) And then, like, they do that with this 11-year-old. I'm like, is no one going to bring this up? I feel like you should probably bring up, like, oh, you would be be fine with these presents if it were Kurt. And it's no different with me. It's like, yes, it is. You're 11. Gross. (laughs) 
I mean, I do yeah. think some of that at least was Emma, like, trying not to hurt his feelings, but in this particular instance, but yeah, like, sh- girl. <laughs> I'm baff- I'm also baffled at, like, they have her cooking in these things, and I'm just sitting here going, okay, well, where did she learn how to cook? Does she have skills at all? Did- or was that three-day, like, way intensive thing where it's like they teach you how to make broiled chicken and, like, how to put on a tourniquet or something? Did the, the Babysitter's Club come in and, like, run a-, run a conference with them or something? They should have. <laughs> Uh, so Emma, eventually she goes on the shopping spree that she had told herself she would go on when she got to the island uh, and buys a whole bunch of incredibly late 80s, early 90s clothing. Like, yes. incredibly, incredibly. I was actually, I was relieved that the, cl- I thought the clothes would age way more poorly because I remember reading through the Babysitter's Club and it's like a whole lot of leggings and weird earrings and things. But a lot of this stuff now, I think the circle has come back. And a lot of this stuff I see in stores now, it's just you don't wear all of them at once. <laughs> you mm-hmm. you might have a crop top, but you don't also wear it with a leotard, also with a blazer, also with a skirt, also with tights, also with, you know. Maybe you don't. <laughs> <laughs> are these people homeless? Why are they wearing all of their clothes? Yeah, the clothing, like, it is... It is absurd, though. And the amount she gets is absurd. She buys, like, $1,000 worth of clothing. Um, and, and in gets, $1991. Yes, in $1991. And her, she gets caught out by um, the rich girl again, who is like, oh, I see you have your own credit card, and you just spent $1,000 on clothes for no reason. And uh, it's another close call that she has there. Yeah, she's like, I've been saving for a splurge. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she goes on a couple more dates with Kurt, and he's very like, man, rich people are garbage. And her friends continually talk about how rich people are garbage, and she goes to a party. And oh, the other thing is like she tells she tells Kurt that she's broken up with her rich boyfriend Trent. Yes. But really, like they, she, I guess, just kind of ghosted Trent and went to an island. But in her mind, was done. But well, it also, and- like, it sounds like he wasn't ever really her boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that he was just, like, a friend of her mother's, and they were at, like, a lot of the same parties, and when they needed, like, someone to bring to events, they would go together. Like, nothing, the way she described their relationship, and maybe stuff's just fucking different in 1993 or whatever, but <laughs> never sounded so much like dating yeah. as much as, like, well, we're the only two kids at the kids' table who are the same age, so... Fucking whatever. Yeah, that's probably about right. Yeah. I don't think that Emma has any friends. Yeah. Like, prior to this. Because well, she's she always... different from all the other rich people. Yeah, but don't you have to talk to people? She went to school with people. She never had, like, you know, a study buddy or something. She never had anyone at all. Because these appear to be her first friendships. Like, she's just hatched from a rich egg and then <laughs> went to Sunset Island. Well, she also, I mean, I guess, like, going to boarding school, maybe, because it's not like, like, once the school year's over and she's back home, it feels like the majority of people would not be close. Yeah. Well, I don't know, because uh, don't rich people all hang out together? Because all of the rich people have, like, summer homes in this place and winter homes in this place. And it just seems like there would be more mixing and socializing than what apparently happens. There probably, I mean, there is, I think, because, like, uh, Diana and Trent and all those people are hanging out, but Emma's different. 
<laughs> she's not like other girls. She's not like other rich girls. Um, so just to zoom through the rest of the book real quick, uh, Emma calls her mom to tell her that she sees she's seeing her her fiance Austin with like a different girl every night on Sunset Island, and her mom's like, "Oh, I can't believe you would hurt me like that by lying." Anyway, I'm gonna show up and surprise him at his show on Saturday, and then you and I will hang out. And her mom's like, "Oh, like now all my friends will know that I'm rich." But then. The beans are spilled to Carrie and Sam, and they react very poorly. Sam in an incredibly over-the-top way. Mm -hmm. Um, And while, like, and I don't know, maybe this is just my fucking middle-classness talking, but, like, if I found out that my friend was secretly rich the whole time, my response would not be, like, you're fucking dead to me. Never show (laughs) your face again. I'm gonna burn all of our letters. Like, it would be like, oh, like, I'm kind of hurt that you couldn't share that with me, but fucking whatever. Like, you're you. I don't... P.S. You're buying dinner. That's... Yeah. (laughs) Like, next time we're like, oh, like, let's split the check evenly. Like, we're fucking not, just so you know. (laughs) Because your family has a private jet. (laughs) Um... But they react, like, so badly. And I know the lesson we're supposed to learn here is don't t- don't lie about yourself. But it it is... She might as well have admitted that she, like, eats children for breakfast. It's just on a, an entire level that's inappropriate to anything happening in real world. And the only reason, I, over the top. like, I could see it if, if Sam had then unleashed this tragic backstory of, like, well, like, my dad was secretly rich, but then he, like stole my mom's money and ran away and ever since then I've always like hated all rich people or like even I don't know some dumb shit like that but she doesn't even have that she just sort of like hates rich people and doesn't feel the need to (laughs) explain it beyond that and I don't think I don't think she ever really does (laughs) well and they treat the rest of the book like that's a totally reasonable position to have because Kurt reacts the same way he's like you are a liar and lying lies and I hate your face Okay. And, and at least with Kurt, I think some of it is like, you said you broke up with Trent, and Trent's at this party, and she's like, eh. And so at least there's sort of two levels to it. Yeah. It's also, like, not to, like, mince, cut, be cutting hairs here or anything, but she never really, like, outright makes up, like, a fake back poor person backstory or something. Like, aside from being like, oh, like, I... I broke up with my boyfriend, Trent, which, again, like, that's kind of hazy to begin with. Yeah. Like, it's not like she's like, oh, like, I've been poor my whole life, and I had to work for everything, and, you know, like, a rich person killed my dog. Like, she just (laughs) doesn't talk about herself. Yeah, he asks, like, one question about her background, because he's been talking the whole date, and he's like, hey, why don't we talk about you? And she's like, ha, 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 there's nothing to talk. How about you, though? And it's just, that's how she handles all of these things. So I don't understand how these people are all like, oh, it's like I don't even know you. It's like... You didn't ask any questions or get any answers. So, no, you didn't know her. Yeah, it's not like she lied about where she went to high school or, like, anything like that. She just avoided answering all of the questions. And sure, there's, like, this kind of implied, like, oh, like, you're talking about how terrible rich people are. And I'm just kind of nodding along. But uh, it's just, it's very, it all is very, very contrived in a way that makes very little sense. (laughs) Correct. And even the stuff with Trent at the party was very uncomfortable to me when he started, when Kurt started accusing her of like being all over him because he is very drunk in that scene and she is very clearly trying to push him off of her and get him to go away. 
and no one intervenes. No one's like stepping up like, hey, man, can you not? Can you not try to like put your mouth all over this girl who plainly does not want it? Who's like physically shoving you away? Yeah. Yeah. It was a different time, (laughs) a different, (laughs) a different understanding of what consent uh, entailed. Yeah. Um, so I think the the one other like minor plot point, like the, the girls eventually forgive her because someone bumps into them and tells oh, them like her they, story. They see how shitty her mom is. Oh, okay. Well, that's that, Kurt. So- Kurt saw how shitty her mom was. Oh, right. No, they found out about how awful things went with Kurt, and then they're like, "Oh, bad things happened to you. Cool, we're friends again now." Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, so they, like, they make up, and then she, Kurt wants to hang out with her to make it up to her after her mom, her mom shows up for the art opening, and then, like, the three of them go hang out with her mom, and her mom's disgusted that they're all wearing off-the-rack clothing, Mm -hmm. and, like, acts like a fool and makes them feel dumb at this whole gallery opening, and then takes them in a limo to the after party where... They fight about something, which I don't even remember. I think and it's about she her ca- fiancé, Austin. Yeah. yeah. She catches Austin feeling up another woman, and she just, like, freaks the hell out, and she's like, oh, I have a migraine, and leaves. So I'm like, oh, well, Emma gets it honest, because that's exactly how she reacted to every time she saw Austin, <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, and then the next morning, her mother, like, sort of apologizes, but then doesn't really... Um, so Emma leaves and goes back to the house where she's nannying and Kurt eventually shows up and apologizes because Kurt's other job is as a taxi driver. Yeah. So he had to drive her mom to the ferry and she was just like a stone cold bitch the entire time. Yes. And he was like, oh, I understand now that her mom is a garbage human. And that's why she wanted to pretend to be someone else for a little while. Yeah. And then they get back together the end all. Yeah. Yeah. And they also sort of learn a tiny bit of like, oh, just because someone's rich, I guess their life can still be shitty. Yeah. Huh. One of the things that killed me about it is um, in the making up process with the girls, um, I think Carrie busts out this thing where she's like, you know, I understand that it's not easy to be rich, maybe, because, like, you have to look down on people, and your parents taught you that, and it's it's like with racist parents, because sometimes they have racist kids on an island that has zero people of color, yeah. so yeah. it's so white, it might as well come with, like, a USDA stamp for dairy approval, because it's the <laughs> most white place I've ever seen, ever. <sighs> Even Stony Brook has, like, Jesse. two people... Yeah, it has Jesse and it has the key sheet. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Not great. Not. Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking for something that has anything like uh, uh, any kind of representation, don't read this series because there are no queer people. There are no people of color. It's just white, straight people problems. The book. Yes. I mean, again, like par for the course for this kind of shitty 90s series. More. You guys for a second. Oh, I just par for the course for this kind of shitty '90s series, but definitely doesn't hold up at all. Nope. Um. So I think that's most of the book. Is there anything that we left out? I I mean, yeah. The the main thing is like setting up these girls and and Emma's secret richness, and uh, 
and, and it, that's all the conflict. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, listen, these books are not great. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> They're really very not. There's a lot of like problems. My editor brain started going off really early on where I'm like, wow, this is a lot of passive voice. And wow, this is a lot of telling and not showing. And um, like one of the minor things that I'm sure because I know he's going to be listening to this, um, the author that I work with is going to make fun of me for because um, I get on him about these things. They make up a, a name for this other artist. Um, his name is uh, Kishoru Mobishi. And that's why they they meet Austin in the first place, because this guy is going to do a painting hanging or something at the local art gallery. Um, and I started looking at it because Japanese was my major in college. And I'm like, that's not a real name. <laughs> so there are a lot of things. And then I just kind of had to turn it off because I'm like, Denise, this was written in 1991. They, I'm sure she's never spoken to a Japanese person at that point. I'm sure that like there was no way for her to check these things. Just move on <laughs> oh sherry <laughs> uh yeah so in, in summary i just would say uh these books are definitely like what you picked up because you hadn't found sweet valley yet or sweet valley was all ch checked out or whatever um and sweet valley's not great either but this is worse than sweet valley uh, yeah i think there was like one black person in sweet valley too because the older brother dates them that's so. right and sells racism yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, that said, you know, here, this, this is my flashback. This is, this is flashback to what I was m mysteriously reading at too young of an age. <laughs> I feel like, um, I got a lot of things out of these books that I probably shouldn't have, but that's also true for like the, the babysitters club books and whatever. I always make fun of people who are like, man, the babysitters club are trash. And I'm like, uh, to be fair, First of all, who do you know who's saying that? Cause I'll fight them. <laughs> <laughs> mostly dudes i'm not gonna oh. lie <laughs> ban men um but i'm like yeah the reason i started reading shakespeare was because of uh was because of uh, babysitter's club because they mentioned hamlet and they mentioned all of these other things and it's like oh okay that's a thing <laughs> versus, i don't know versus sunset island is telling you about life sells with the rich and famous and time <laughs> magazine <laughs> Well, uh, later on, they get snobby about jazz and things, but thankfully, I didn't have a lot of access to that, so. <laughs> All right, yeah, so that's, this is the first of, of many Sunset Island books, and uh, mm -hmm. now we'll move on to our dramatic readings and just give you all a little, little direct taste of them. So, um, our first, our first dramatic reading is from the beginning, the Au Pair Convention, and Kate will be Emma, who's the narrator of this book. And Denise will be Carrie. And I'll be Samantha. Because I hate oh. rich people. <laughs> <clears throat> Whew, what a madhouse. Carrie uh, exclaimed when she finally made it over to Emma and Sam. Hey, cute outfit. Sam said, eyeing Carrie's oversized blue blazer and blue stirrup pants. Conservative, but cute. I really didn't know what to wear, Carrie confided. You guys look great, she added. That jacket is beautiful, Emma. Emma smiled and winced inside. Oh no, back to her clothes again. How could she have been so stupid as to wear such expensive designer clothes? Because that was all she owned was the obvious answer. Beautiful is an understatement. I'd kill my little sister for a blazer like that. Of course, I'd kill my little sister anyway. You know, I think Princess Caroline wore that blazer on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Carrie turned to Sam. You actually watch Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? 
I inhale lifestyles of the rich and famous. Although it looks like Emma is a lot closer to getting on that show than I am. Oh, sure. Actually, this outfit belongs to my Aunt Liz. I'm staying with her for the weekend. Nice aunt. Rich aunt. Yeah, she um invested in the stock market. She's got great taste. I guess I just wanted to make a good impression. Yeah, well, it makes a great impression, all right. I probably look totally shabby next to you and no one will hire me. Sam had on a full black cotton skirt that fell just above the knee, a white cotton shirt with black hearts on it, and red cowboy boots. Her long red curls were held back with a black velvet ribbon, but tendrils escaped around her pretty flushed face. Her blue eyes were rimmed with carefully smudged eyeliner, and her full lips were painted a deep matte red. Carrie laughed, looking Sam over. Give me a break. You look spectacular. I bet you look spectacular when you wake up in the morning. Not me. Now, Emma here, on the other hand, really is the perfect type. You've got that blonde ice princess, born to money kind of look. Very Grace Kelly. Emma laughed uncomfortably. I wish. Me too. You mean you wish you had the look or you wish you had the money? Both. If I hear just one more time in my life that I look like the girl next door, I'm going to throw up. Sam reached behind her and snatched a donut off the buffet table. Actually, you're extremely cute. Sam said, chewing and studying Carrie thoughtfully. You've got great glossy hair and a seriously curvy figure hiding somewhere under that outfit. (laughs) Of course, there's hardly a girl on the planet who can't be helped by a fashion makeover and some well-applied cosmetics. Uh, Thanks for the grooming tip, but I hate makeup. I never wear it. Never say never. Hopefully we'll end up in the same place and I'll have the whole summer to work on you. The three girls had discussed it the evening before, looking over the various locations they might choose. They all wanted to be in a resort community and not a city. They all wanted to go someplace where there would be a lot of kids their age. They had decided their first choice would be Sunset Island. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) Thank goodness they all made it there. (laughs) All right. Uh, Next up, we're going to read you the shopping montage where Emma tries to figure out how poor people dress. <laughs> uh, so I'll be Emma and Kate will be Beth, the sales clerk. Sam had told her everyone shopped at the cheap boutique. Loud rock music blared out of the sound system as Emma opened the door to the clothing store. The inside of the store looked like a nightclub. The walls were painted day glow colors, and posters of various rock artists were plastered around the store. The store was packed. A tall girl stood in front of a mirror, posing in a black spandex micro mini jumper over a red spandex bra top. Another girl danced to the blaring music in an acid green mini skirt and matching crop top. Emma flashed on the many trips she'd taken with her mother to Paris and London to see the new couture season. She and Kat would simply note the things they liked and then have them made to order. And I never even thought twice about it, Emma realized. Can I help you? A pretty girl about Emma's age stood there, smiling at Emma. She had on a pleated navy miniskirt and a white cotton shirt under a blue and rose paisley vest. Yes, I'm... I want to buy a few things. Like what? Maybe I can help you. Well, what you have on is really cute. Did you get it here? I get everything here. That's why I took the job. So, how much do you want to spend? The price doesn't matter, Emma said. 
The sales girl raised her eyebrows. I mean, I saved up for a real shopping spree. I want to get a few different outfits. You've come to the right woman. Next to outfitting myself, there's nothing I love more than outfitting someone else. Especially when I get a commission on the sale. My name's Beth, by the way. Beth led Emma through the store, pointing out different dresses, skirts, and combinations that she thought would look good on Emma, until the two of them had so much stuff in their arms they could barely lug it back to a dressing room. Emma tried on outfit after outfit. Beth was a tremendous help, and Emma had a blast. She chose the kind of clothes she'd never owned before. Some were pretty and fairly safe, but a few were really outrageous. Emma wasn't sure she'd have the nerve to wear them. I'll work up to it, Emma thought, as she checked out her reflection in the cropped red leather jacket and matching red leather miniskirt. When Emma finished, Beth happily rang up the pants, skirts, dresses, tops, bathing suits, and even shoes. Oh, commission sales. Remember those days? No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then after after she rings up, then the mean girls come and are like, oh, you're rich. And she's like, no, I'm not. I, I, uh, uh, this credit card is my friend's. <laughs> yeah, it's she's real good at, at all of this. <laughs> All right. And then uh, the last of our dramatic readings is going to be some some just girl talk. Just girl talk about dates and such. And Denise will be Emma. Kate will be Sam. And I'll be Carrie. Tell us all about it. When did he ask you out? Did he call you and actually ask you out on a date? Or did you just like run into him? He called me and asked me out to dinner, Emma said. He said he wanted to show me a part of the island that tourists don't usually see. Like what? His bedroom? Shut up and let her tell it. Emma sat up to talk. It was so fabulous, she said, remembering and hugging her knees to her chin. We drove around, then we parked to watch the sunset over the dunes. Wow, he works fast. No, it wasn't like that. He was a perfect gentleman. What a drag. Carrie put her hand over Sam's mouth. Go on, Emma. Sam promises to shut up. Don't you, Sam? Carrie took her hand off of Sam's mouth and waited. I'll be good, but get to the juicy parts. Well, after we watched the sunset, we went to this incredible restaurant called Ruby's for seafood. Ruby is sort of Kurt's adopted mother, Emma explained. His real mother died four years ago. Wow, he must really like you to take you to his adopted mother's restaurant on your first date. It's terrible about his mom. Emma nodded. I think they were really close. Anyway, after dinner, we went for a walk on the beach. Aha, the juicy part. We talked and talked, Emma said dreamily, and then he kissed me. Kissed you like your Uncle Herbie would kiss you, or kissed you like major kiss? Major kiss. Actually, a lot of major kisses. Wow. Oh, this is awesome. I mean... Kurt is big-time cute, and you know I have the highest of standards. Right. The guy's got to be breathing, for example. Hey, I happen to be discriminating. Kurt is at least a B, B-plus on the Hunkola scale. Emma shook her head at Sam. So what's an A? Oh, let's see. Austin Payne is an A. Oh, please. What do you mean, oh, please? You haven't even met him. Emma had to think fast. I just meant, he's old, isn't he? I prefer to think of him as ripe, Sam said, wiggling her eyebrows at Emma. 
Now, aren't you sorry you asked? <laughs> I know I'm sorry they asked. <laughs> We're all so sorry. <laughs> Who wiggles their eyebrows at people? Is she Groucho Marx? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, just the humor, just all of this is just, like, dumb. It's so aggressively heterosexual. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> Listen, my my nightmare is someone making me put my hand in a bowl of grapes, and Kate's nightmare is this island. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> With as terribly as she portrays relationships, do you really want her taking on anything but straight people? I mean, I, honestly, like... I would, even a terribly written queer relationship would be like a cool glass of water after all of this aggressive heterosexuality. I don't want to know what she thinks lesbians wear. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you've said that, I very much do. Let's see if she's on social media. We can add her. (laughs) Yeah, because it's for sure not in any of these books. No. Um, Well... We'll move on to would you rather, although right off the bat, not none of our questions are would you rather have Sherry Bennett write lesbians or not. Um, <laughs> or so, put your hand in a bowl of peeled grapes. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> lesbians. Give me the lesbians. <laughs> would you rather put your hand in a bowl of grapes or a bowl of lesbians? <laughs> I have... I am very, I'm very clear on what my answer to this would be. <laughs> very Where would clear. you even find a bowl that big? Come on. I, I don't know, like um, like a kiddie pool, I guess. <laughs> kiddie pool full of lesbians next on Sunset Island. I mean, I'm here for it. I would read that book. I absolutely am here for it. Uh, well, I don't think they have a lot of fan fiction for this series, so Kate, you can just, uh, <laughs> you can trailblaze that one. Oh, boy. <laughs> Is both full of lesbians a trope yet? <laughs> God, I sh- please let it happen. <laughs> oh... Uh, you know, one thing that we forgot to say is that the band on the island is called Flirting with Danger, which I think is a much better name than Sweet Valley High's resident band, which is the Droids. Um, but I think <laughs> Bowl Full of Lesbians would be a good band name also. Well, at least the Droids have, like, a female main singer, don't they? As opposed to this, which is, like, Flirting with Danger is, like, a huge sausage party of... and I can't even think about what their music sounds like. Oh, no, I'm sure they're... T- I'm just saying as a name. I think it's a good name for a band. Fair. That's one one drop of credit I will give to Sunset Island. <laughs> and now I'll ask, would you rather work as an au pair on Sunset Island or as a babysitter in Stony Brook? Um, I would rather work as an au pair on Sunset Island, mostly, but, well, okay, not nowadays, but when this was happening, because nowadays that's apparently a thing that, like, very low-paid domestic labor does. Um, but in this one, at least, it sounded like, you know, you got to use the house and the car and, you know, you got fed and you got paid and it was all rich people. So that seems like a lot better job than, like, a bunch of little kids in Connecticut and and whatever they paid those kids, which I think is, like, $2 or something an hour. Yeah. Yeah, I would also be an au pair on Sunset Island for similar reasons, like... You know, being a babysitter in Stony Brook 
implies, I guess, that either I live with my parents who live in Stony Brook or I somehow can afford to live in Stony Brook, which is not going to happen on my current salary. I will never own property. Um, But Sunset Island is like a resort town and I do like the beach and I do like like kitschy tourist shit. So I, I would not find myself partying with the other teens and doing dumb teen shit, but like free room and board and meals to babysit for a few hours a day and getting to spend my free time at the beach or like reading quietly or something like I'm on that. We didn't talk about it, but these are the most lenient parents and hours that I've ever heard. Cause like everything that comes up, they're like, Oh, do you want to come with us to this thing? And they're always like, Oh yeah, they'll be fine with it. I'm like, what are your hours? Do you not, do you not have them? It's, it's just chill. They're just on a chill Island. <laughs> Um, I, I'm gonna actually babysit in Stony Brook because I, because then that would imply that I could be friends with Claudia, and that's all I want. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, I would be of the similar age as Claudia in this scenario, and then, and then we would be friends, and I'd eat her snacks, and she'd help me pick out earrings. And then you guys can both wear a lot of leggings. Yes, that's all I want. <laughs> I mean, I guess on Sunset Island I could go to the cheap boutique, but it's it's not the same. Mm. All right. How about, would you rather be friends with a rich person or a serial killer? Well, as much as I would love to be friends with a serial killer, it just seems like it would be very interesting in to my specific interests. Um, being friends with a really rich person who's just like, I'll pick up the tab for that. Like, let's go, go to Paris this weekend. Like, you can take my private jet. You don't have to pay for anything. Like, oh, here's like a dress I wore once and I don't want to wear anymore because I've worn it once. You can have it. Like, I, I feel like I'd be happy pretending to be or actually being a rich person's friend and living with their castoffs. Yeah, I'm going to go with same and uh, mostly because serial killers tend to target people that they know. So no thanks. I'm good. Um, and I have been friends with people who are wealthier than I am, uh, being a poor, a filthy poor. Um, that's that's a common thing for me. So I'm always cool when they're like, hey, do you want to come out and have like a grilled cheese sandwich? And I'm like, yes. So imagine that with, you know, hey, do you want to come out and have this incredibly attractive meal on this vacation? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, for me, obviously, this is no question, but I just, I know for some of the people on Sunset Island, of course, rich people are the, are perhaps worse than serial killers to some. (laughs) And then, of course, I do know that some people are very interested in serial killers. So, uh, for me, obviously, be friends with a rich person. Rich people tweet at me right now. Let's be friends. Rich (laughs) people are people, too. (laughs) Rich people, do you want to go to the Peace Corps? I'll help you with your application. It's going to be a whole thing, though, just so you know. Also, as I've made it clear on this podcast many, many times, I can very easily be bought. If a rich person would like to, for example, marry me and keep me into the lifestyle, which I am not yet accustomed, but would very quickly become accustomed to, like, let me know. (laughs) All right. And last up, would you rather eat at Ruby's, the restaurant on Sunset Island, or Steaks and Cakes, the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle, the movie that serves only steaks and cakes? 
Uh, well, to be honest, I'm not super into seafood, and I'm allergic to a lot of seafood. So even though, obviously, my heart would always be with our beloved sponsor, Steaks and Cakes, uh, in this case, like, probably there's very little at Ruby's that I could eat anyway. So, of course, I will go with Steaks and Cakes. Yeah, when they go, like, they, Kurt is, like, so proud of this date, and they have, like, steamed cod, and, like, that sounds dis- like, I don't eat fish anyway, that sounds disgusting, unless you are the rock and you're trying to maintain your muscle mass. <laughs> I was baffled at that, because then they go and make out, and I'm like, ew, fish breath, oh, <laughs> no thanks. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the same as, as Kate, not because I don't like seafood, seafood is delicious, and there does appear to be more than just two things on the menu at Ruby's, but on the other hand, steaks and cakes, I mean... I, that there's no competition there. Yeah. Give me that cake. Yeah. And besides, I'd have to take my husband with me and he would not eat seafood either. So he would eat an entire cake, though. He sounds like a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we'll move on to Reader's Advisory, where we will um, suggest some books to read instead of or in addition to Sunset Island. I'm going to say definitely don't recommend that you seek out Sunset Island, even if you have some childhood nostalgia for it. Like, it doesn't really hold up. If you've never read it, definitely there's nothing here for you. (laughs) I will say before you get started, one of the recommendations that Goodreads had for things similar to this was the Island Adventure uh, Babysitter's Club special that you guys did. (laughs) So, I mean, go ahead and read that instead. That's a much better island than Sunset Island. Yeah. Also, when the boxcar children go to Surprise Island, that's a better island. (laughs) Also, all the times the babysitters work as mother's helpers while they're on vacation with their charges. Very similar theme and much better than Sunset Island. Um, Well, Sweet Valley High also had like 11 jillion like summer specials and stuff. And I think they went to Greece one time. So, I mean, there you go. It's fine. It's pretty good. Read other things. Um, but books about, like, rich people doing glamorous things are still real popular with teens today and teens, like, 10 years ago when... And 30-somethings. Yes. <laughs> um, so there's uh, many series like The Click and Pretty Little Liars and um, Gossip Girl and things like that, that if you are into, like, I want to see what rich teens are up to, there are plenty of options for you still. I mean, those series, I think, have all ended. Like, they're still around. You can get them. They're not as active. Like, they're not being actively published anymore. Um, But, you know, what is is Riverdale. (laughs) (laughs) And the Riverdale comics. Not the, I mean, additionally, the Archie comics, but then there's specifically Riverdale comics. Because if you don't know, the shenanigans of Riverdale are like several notches up from just your basic Archie business. <laughs> That's a fact. I only had two recommendations for this, and they neither one of them are like YA or whatever picks, because mm-hmm. I don't read enough of that to do that. Um my first one is A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers, because that's a better example of a rich person trying to slum it, and it actually has decent characters. Um, and my second recommendation is just go online and watch some K-dramas, because they usually have this kind of like weird um, interpersonal shenanigans and whatever, but sometimes it's like, oh, also, I'm a fox spirit, or also, I'm pretending to be my brother in this band, and now I'm in love with you. Um, 
one particular I will go ahead and shout out is uh, You Are Beautiful. It's about a, a nun who becomes a pop star. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, and she has to pretend to be her own brother and, you know, hijinks ensue. <laughs> of course they do. Uh, oh, you know, speaking of, uh, I've recommended the book series Crazy Rich Asians by Kevin Kwan on here before. At the time we're recording this, the movie has not yet come out, but I am dying to see the movie. That's that's a great, great story of rich people and their shenanigans. Yeah, I need to see and, that. Um, Summer always makes me think of Sarah Dessen and Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Uh, Sarah Dessen has written a bazillion books that are frequently like friendships and relationships and drama and whatever with teen girls. Um, and then also the... Um, Gallagher Girls series by Allie Carter mm -hmm. uh, is Girls in Spy School. And the first one uh, involves a girl having to lie to the boy that she is dating about who she really is. So that's like kind of a similar theme. And those books are actually very good. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll have all these and some other stuff probably up on our website, worstbestsellers.com. And now we'll move on to our candy pairing where we'll suggest a book to or a candy to pair with this book. My candy pairing was Ouch Bubblegum, which was a popular candy in the 90s that was gum that looked like Band-Aids that came in a metal container that looked like Band-Aids. And uh, it is a quintessentially 90s candy that also describes my soul while reading this book. <laughs> Why would you want to eat Band-Aids? I never understood that. Ugh. I didn't. It, it will surprise no one to hear that that concept grossed me out. <laughs> I preferred the zebra stripe gum. That's fair. Um, I picked Pop Rocks because they seemed really revolutionary the first time you had them. And then you get older and they're just kind of weird and you don't really want to be seen eating it in public because people are judgmental. Mm -hmm. uh, mine is, is a milkshake that's just, which Sam drinks a lot of milkshakes because she is a girl who can always eat ice cream but never gain weight. This is another mm. one of her character points. Um, but it, it's a milkshake that you took to the beach and it's melting everywhere because at first you're like, yeah, milkshake. And then you get into it and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> and that's this. <laughs> All right. Now it is time for our favorite game, The Rock Paper Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Denise will choose which most enhances the book or can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. All right. If Dwayne The Rock Johnson were in this book, he would be the main, like, head lifeguard at the pool where Kurt works. Uh, and mostly he'd just be, like, a comical background character that, like, all of the adults had crushes on. Uh, because it's it's a point several times over that all girls of all ages have crushes on Kurt. And The Rock would show up for, like, one scene near the end where he would tell Kurt to, like, give Emma a second chance after finding out she's secretly rich because you don't know her whole story. Uh, but otherwise, he'd mostly just be, like, eye candy for the adults and, like, a comical background character. Well, if Wolverine were in this book, he'd be hanging out at that bar, question mark, where Carrie was being a pool shark at. And he'd be deeply impressed by that, as as I was as well. And he'd, like, give her a fist bump, because Wolverine is supportive of teenage girls and their endeavors. And later on, he would run into Carrie and Sam being mad on the beach, and 
he'd hear about their complaints about Emma being secretly rich and Wolverine has no time for this. He'd be like, uh, what's the big deal? Secretly rich friends will buy you so much beer. And they'd be like, oh yeah, good point. And then they would just, uh, resolve things with Emma uh, more quickly having received this good advice from Wolverine. We all know Wolverine really likes the rich cause he still hangs out with Xavier, even though Xavier is literally the worst. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and go with Wolverine in this one, not because I do not love the idea of the rock uh, kicking Kurt to the curb, but because, yes, fist bump for Carrie. Yeah. That's what she needs. It's true. Just a little bit of support and uh, fist bump. But, you know, if you do want the rock as a lifeguard, of course, just watch uh, Baywatch, (laughs) which I highly recommend that you do anyway. (laughs) They watch the movie, of course. <clears throat> mm. uh, perhaps the show as well, but he's not in that one. Oh, right. God, that would be a terrible crossover. Can we just not wish that into existence? <laughs> <laughs> Done. We'll move on. What do we think the moral of the story is? Uh, the moral of the story is that pretending to be poor is literally the worst possible crime you can commit because it means that you're secretly rich, which is the worst thing that you can be. My moral is talking to people to solve your problems is for losers. My moral is eat the rich unless you can tell they're a good person because they really want to join the Peace Corps. (laughs) All right. Now, of course, it is time for Duarte's Corner where my cat Duarte will weigh in with his opinions about the book. Yeah, Duarte, you're right. None of these families seem to have have cats, and I think that would have enhanced everyone's summer if they could have gone home to just have a nice cat to pet. Yeah, and while I uh, can understand your complaints, I do I do want to highlight that I think it would be really good if you did write a, a series that was just like what all the cats on Sunset Island are up to while the humans are being douchebags. Like, yeah. I think there's a market for that. Like Lady and the Tramp, but with cats on Sunset Island. Yeah. They're running over to Ruby's and being presented with delightful fish dinners. And then, you know, they get to the middle of the fish and they kiss. That's great. (laughs) You got a bestseller on your hands there. (laughs) Oh, Duarte, first of all, I'm a huge fan. Um, I'm so glad to be talking to you right now. But uh, also, I I do agree that I feel like uh, they really dropped the ball with the not going on with the fish facts. Because I know that as a fish fan... You, you need to know more things about shrimps and how they're not fish. So, yeah, that would have really developed Emma's character as well. Agreed. Good job. Agreed. All right. Well, Duarte, thanks as ever for your insights. Uh, now, do any humans have any closing thoughts about Sunset Island? Just don't do it. <laughs> not great. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, I, like we've said before in this podcast that, like, Kids are resilient, and even if they read garbage, they'll bounce back. And I think that's true. I think I survived my my too early exposure to Sunset Island. But maybe, yeah. maybe if I hadn't read these, I'd be like an astronaut right now. Maybe. <laughs> well, possibly, but also possibly you could have gotten into like some more really dysfunctional things without that example of going, oh, I should talk to people. <laughs> so hard it to say. Seems way easier. <laughs> all right well this uh does conclude flashback summer where we've been revisiting the books of our in some cases misspent youth 
Uh, so if you'd like to talk to us about Flashback Summer or, or other such things, you can find us on social media. We're facebook.com slash worst bestsellers. We're at, at worst bestseller with no S on Twitter because the S told us so many lies. We just couldn't trust it anymore. And we had to, we had to just cut that S out of our life. It also looks like a dollar sign. So it's clearly hiding its richness. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what, yeah. That's it. We couldn't. We could not trust that us. How to get rid of it? Uh, we've got a Goodreads group that you can access by going to our website, worstbestsellers.com. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. And if you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review us. When you rate and review us, it pushes us up a little bit in the charts and makes it easier for new folks to find us. Uh, if you don't rate and review us, we're going to tell everyone your deepest, darkest secrets and then revel in it because we're mean girls. <laughs> <laughs> you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Uh, Patreon is a crowdfunding platform where you can pledge a small monthly recurring donation uh, that goes to help us run the podcast, uh, pay for our hosting, pay our editor, uh, commission cool designs for merch, and um, you get perks as well. Uh, you can bump us up to new tiers to make us do weird shit. I think next up, uh, if we get to $400, we'll have to watch Rob Lowe's weird Bigfoot reality show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, there's a tier where you get a newsletter from us. It's it's all good shit. Um and uh, speaking of merch, which I did a couple sentences ago, uh, <laughs> you can buy all sorts of Worst Bestsellers merch at our store, which you can access by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on store. Uh, we've got all sorts of different um, stuff with our logo on it, stuff with jokes from the show, uh, with a rock, paper, snicked logo. And you can purchase all of those things to wear our podcast on your body. Which you the should circle do. of merch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? We should take some inspiration from Sherry Bennett and uh, uh, make our own perfume. <laughs> make cake. your own bumper sticker that just says, we're still talking. Because <laughs> you need the most faint praise you can possibly say. <sighs> so look out for that, I guess. <laughs> uh, if you want to follow me personally on Twitter, I'm at Renata Snacks. Uh, if you want to follow me personally on any social media, I'm at 14 across on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. Uh, I am not actually on Twitter right now, and I'm not sure when I will be going back. Um, I do occasionally post pictures of clouds or cakes on Instagram, and I reblog a lot of dumb fandom shit on Tumblr. So you can find me those places. All right. Um I tried to be consistent with my branding and it didn't work a lot. So some of these are similar, but different. Uh, you can follow me at Desdono, uh, D-E-Z-D-O-N-O on Twitter for angry political reblogs. Um, you can follow me uh, Des.Dono, D-O-N-O on Instagram for cute cat pictures and books. The best and things. You, <laughs> right. And you can do, uh, you can follow me at Desdemonomania. I'm just going to have that posted in the thing. It's too long to spell out on Tumblr. Um, where you can find a combination of those two things. It's I, it's it's one or the other. I'm either angry political blogging or I'm like, oh, sweet baby kitty. Well, you need you need that balance. Oh, and I told uh, 
I told my author friend, Casey Glanders, that I would uh, rep the books that he writes and I edit. Um, so you can find those at www.gailson.com. Um, I will actually be writing a short story that will be published sometime this fall. So keep an eye out for that. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, we'll have all those links up at worstbestsellers.com. So check that out. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks with something. We, at this point in time, actually haven't quite settled on what we'll be reading next. So it'll be a fun surprise for us all. Yes. <laughs> um, Denise, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your, your memories of Sunset Island, which, again, I do have to stress, is a real book that really existed. <laughs> It is physical. I am holding it in my hand right now. This is not a hallucination. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a blast. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.